0: a Christian be secular separation of church and state is this the 11th commandment or is there something wrong with the way that uh, we think about church and state we're going to talk about the day as we watch our culture stray further every day howdy and my name is jonathan fiala your host today on further every day and today i'm joined by four of the chairs and the chair of theology to my right i got josh how are you how's it going good sir Doing well, you? I'm doing amazing. Glad amazing to day. have you there. And the reason why we believe what we believe is the Bible, Sola Scriptura, is our reference point. Most certainly. But God didn't make stupid laws or ideas, He actually put some really good precepts in. If you bring your rigor to the faith, some good philosophy, you will indeed have a very intelligent discourse to bring to the world. That's where I'm sitting in the chair of philosophy to my left. I've got the chair of culture. Mr. Steve, how you doing? Hey man, I'm doing great today. Fantastic, dude. Glad to have you there. When your philosophy is correct, your culture will be. When your culture does not have a good philosophy, it will fall. And of course, what is enforced what enforces the culture
1: rather? The chair of politics. Certainly politics is down line from culture, isn't it, John Arthur? Yes, sir. A blessing. A blessing to be with you today, gentlemen. Glad to have you, sir. And
0: this is uh, Deacon from the stream, But I Digress. Right. Glad to have you on. Glad to see you. And uh, glad, glad, glad you are here. Let's dig into it. So you will often hear that separation of church and state is this sacred hallmark of Western civilization. Some will go as far as to say links in the description to some of these articles, by the way. Some will go as far as to say that secularism was originally imposed by Jesus Christ himself. And that's a really interesting thought there. But secularism is short for something secular humanism. And so before we get to the Enlightenment, we'll deal with that in the chair of philosophy, but I want to start off with us going to the scripture. Because if you are a Christian, you really should be looking at this from the scriptural point. And I want to start off with Josh. You know, one of the questions that comes up is, can you have two masters? Can you believe in both God and a secular state? So the Bible has a lot to say about that. Where did Jesus come down on this? There's a lot of verses here in the, in the chat here.
2: I was going to say, so something you said there, the Bible has a lot to say about this topic and it really does. So let's look at this first. Please note the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin, if you could put it in a modern context, it was like the Jewish Supreme Court of that time. And it was the political leadership of Christ's time. When And while Christ did not start a Maccabean revolt, Christ also was not silent on the issues of the day. Most certainly he wasn't. In fact, if you actually look in the scriptures, I believe it's in Acts, you'll even see Paul references the Maccabean revolt. So the Maccabees, like I said, there's some good histories in there. Uh, first, second, third Maccabees, if you really want to go look at it historically.
0: But fourth, fifth, if you want to keep going. Fourth, fifth, but, yeah, but... if
2: you really want to keep going. And there's good history there. Mind you, it's not canon, but still some good history there. And it's definitely referenced in the scripture, that event. So there was a lot to be said there. Uh, I want to go to this one scripture that Paul had in Acts 23, 6, where he was playing, but he was playing politics when he pitted these two parties against each other. So... Acts 23, 6. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. Christ also spoke about this extensively. We see this in Matthew 17, 24 through 27. And when they were, in, when they were come to Capernaum, that they received tribute, money came to Peter, and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? He saith yes, and when he was... And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, of their own children, or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers. Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free? Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, and cast a hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money, that take...
0: And give to them for me and thee. So let's pause for just a moment. I just want to pause and kind of go macro here. Because a couple things. We, we've we've glazed through a few things. And this is, this is a good start. It's a good start. So the Sanhedrin was a council of 70. And, uh, you know, uh, by tradition, they were formed in Moses' day. And they are the 70 leaders that were more or less elected. This is very similar to what you have in Israeli uh, governance today. But you had two parties in the... Time of Christ. You had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the Sadducees had the backing of the Romans. So that that's really important when Jesus is debating in the public square. Make no mistake, Jesus involved himself, he injected himself into the politics of the day. But then let's go a step further. What was, does anyone remember what that tax was? in Matthew uh, uh, 17. Does anyone remember what that tax was for? It wasn't for the Romans. That's it's a different temple. It's for the temple. It was for the temple tax. So Jesus even says, this is not necessarily a correct tax, but for the sake of the weak, Peter, God will provide. And God did. So keep going, Josh.
2: Also, interesting thing about the Sanhedrin, you mentioned the two parties, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was almost like the religious left, the religious right of that time. Correct. And the Sadducees being the progressive. Yeah, being the more religious left at that time, or, or progressive is probably the more appropriate term. Let's look at what the Bible has further to say about this. Let's go to Matthew 22, 20 through 22. This is a famous passage. And he saith unto them, who is this image in superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. So some context here. Please. So this was another tax that they would have to pay uh, to the Roman government. And the big problem that the Jewish people had with this tax was that they saw it as an idolatry to Caesar. And by paying this tax, the Pharisees and the Sadducees essentially were saying, oh, you are, you are idolizing Caesar. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees, or the Pharisees, they come up to Jesus with this conundrum, and they say, so what should we do? Should we pay this tax? Should we break the law? They were trying to trap him. Should we break this law? And he quite eloquently, eloquently puts it render unto caesar what is caesar's and render unto god what is god's well what's god's everything is god's uh, what is caesar's it's this coin it's this tax it's to say that obey the government but also at the same time understand that that I don't know what I don't know what you pharisees are on but <laughs> this is what it, this is what this is about
0: and and it was a brilliantly l- staged attack on Christ because if he had responded well don't pay that that's idolatry he would've been arrested by the romans Mm -hmm. and they were really hoping public opinion would turn against him if he did, or the Romans would turn against him and take him. But an important thing there with with
2: all these examples that we mentioned, uh, specifically these recent two examples, neither of them support the idea that Christ was somehow a secular humanist. I do not see how you can
0: come to that conclusion. This is the number one verse that's misused for that. Yes, it's, it's,
2: this verse right here, when people are always like, oh, man, Jesus advocating for separation of church and state, you probably heard your own family members at the dinner table say that one a time or two. Really? At least, At least I
0: have. You have? Wow. Yes. So we, we, we have an ongoing talk about that.
2: Yeah. And it's it's very interesting. And I don't get how you can come to that conclusion. Because the, the separation of church and state, that was an idea that came into American politics and and in European politics, and it was for the, it was for, funny enough, it wasn't so that the state could be the state and the church could be the church. It was ultimately to prevent persecution from coming upon the church because the state was imposing persecution, persecution upon the Christians. That's why they came across the, the ocean to America. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And that's the thing that they don't realize is that the Jeffersonian Danbury letters were specifically Jefferson saying you're protected. You're protected by that. In brief, do you have anything to add to the the Danbury letter?
1: No, I think you guys are right on there. Now, the only, uh, only quick observation I would make, Josh, is when we say in and we learn in Genesis that God says everything in the world is his, but he gives us dominion over it. But if everything in the world is his, is that everything in the world? Everything
0: that's from him and of him, but not the things that are evil that are created by man like sin. Very good. So and yeah. So does that, Caesar a, a really own anything? No. No. And it was a brilliant. Like, of course, of course, God is going to eloquently answer man's foolishness. But uh, keep going, Josh. Yeah, there's yeah, there's, but, there's, uh, there's a lot to get to. We want to kind of mow through because we want to get to the application.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Don't think that so people will go and be like, "Oh, you know, it says in this verse that God creates evil." It's like, no, 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 no. That's not what that is. Yeah. that's a whole rabbit trail. Yeah. That's but, a whole rabbit but trail. we need but to do something on that. We need to. For sure. Good. For sure. And that would be a great podcast. But let's continue on in this topic real quick. Let's look at what Peter and the apostles resort, uh, resorted to or retorted to the arrest by the Sanhedrin in Acts 25 or 529. Sorry. We ought to obey God rather than men. I think that's pretty plain as day. Uh, let's look at this next example. Uh, Romans thirteen one through 7, a, a rubric for a, a Christian life here. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whoever so therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same for he is the minister of god to thee for good but if thou do that which is evil be afraid for he beareth not the sword in vain for he is the minister of god a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil wherefore ye must need wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath but also for conscience sake for, for this cause pay ye tribute also for they are god's ministers attending continually upon this very thing Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And in all those instances, render those things unto God. And I think that's the bigger picture there. But also, very, very important, there's a qualification for the rulers. And I think that right there is very key. It was in this verse three. It says, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Uh, So what happens if a ruler is doing evil. It is outside of this jurisdiction from this verse, I would say.
0: Yes. And so in in America, and and this is something that I I know Deacon is, is very, very fond of discussing. We are the rulers. We are in a nation of a ruling class where the peasantry and the aristocracy all have the same authority in the government structure. And that is the thing that makes America special, is because, like we talked about in episode 59, why America is and always has been a theocracy. The reason we said it that way is because this nation was designed for people who were underneath the laws and rule of God. And they, this nation will not come together. It will not hold together if you divorce it from god and that is the fatal flaw of secularism but you talk about the the law of the higher magistrate or the the um
1: doctrine of the higher magistrate right exactly you know that's that's a key josh and and john arthur that's a key political consideration quite frankly Uh, in our politic which is extending from god's doctrine remember now in second timothy three we read all scripture is given by inspiration of god and it's profitable for doctrine For reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Well, certainly your government needs to be informed with that ethic. Now, God is the supreme power. He is the creator of everything. He is the most high king. He is the authority. We're made in His image and therefore given an obligation to preserve His image, which means as Uh, rulers in a constitutional republic of the people, by the people, and for the people. Remember in our declaration, we said, we, the people, in order to secure the blessings of liberty, which are gifts from God, do ordain and establish this constitution. Ordain means doing it with the power of God. So we keep right from our Declaration of Independence all the way down through the preamble of the Constitution.
0: But the Constitution's a secular document,
1: Deacon. Not so much, because the Declaration establishes on the 4th of July, 1776, that we do this under natural law from nature's God, because Galatians chapter 5 told our framers and ourselves that uh, we are to stand fast in Christ's liberty, wherewith he has made us free, made us free, Yes. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That is our American gift and our heritage in this constitutional republic. So we've got God the Father. We've got five branches of government. We've got the most high king. And then we stand in his place. We're that flesh that made in his image that is there to uh, execute as the revengers if necessary for those who do evil. Then we have the three uh, junior enumerated branches that we see in our constitutional republic legislature, executive, judicial. All of that works just great as long as God is in the state. But if Correct. God is taken out of the state, then what happens? The mammon creeps in. Remember Jesus said, Matthew six twenty four, you cannot serve God and mammon. And when that Correct. mammon creeps into the lower junior enumerated branches, or even among the people, even among the people, then... What we've got then is a mammon system and not a godly system, and that's the moment we're in right now. We're literally seeing a revival before our eyes, recovering that godly system with the authority of God and not mammon. So let's let's pull back for
0: a moment and let's talk about how we get there. So we've we've laid out the rubric for what godly living looks like, right? We've looked out, we've laid out what God has said in the scriptures, and we can keep going to Isaiah. Uh, 9 6 through 9 you know there's a lot of really good passages that lay out that the government is there to serve god's purposes go back to genesis uh, uh nine right And yeah, nine three is where you have the first institution of government if if anyone is to take another man's blood shall be required of him right and it's required by whom by
1: us to god Yeah, that's because of our obligation.
0: It's it's the first to preserve the image of God. Correct, and it's the first institution of government. Government gets its place from God. So, to the topic of secularism, how does that comport? Well, let's talk a little bit about the philosophy and the chair philosophy, the philosophy of secular humanism. And again, the question comes: Can you hold? Two masters. And you, you, you got me there with, with, with that one quotation. You cannot serve two masters. Where does secular humanism come from? Chair of philosophy here. If you are not familiar with the Enlightenment or what that, where it came from, what it was, we had the Renaissance. Then shortly after, we had the advent of respect for human reason in a new way. There was a respect for it in the time of the Greeks and of the Romans, and of course, even preceding that Solomon, okay, just saying, uh, Judeo-Christian ethic had it first, just saying, but it was a new Western thing, the Enlightenment, this new focus on reason, and there were two branches, if you will. And if you want to be really reductive, you can kind of say Edmund Burke was from one branch, and John Locke was of the other. One of them created the United States, the Lockean Enlightenment. The other one created the more burke rousseau Type enlightenment that we saw in Europe One of those two Spawned a civilization that Freed slaves first The United Kingdom And the United States come from that branch Of the Enlightenment They put a man on the moon They put missionaries all over the world And we fought the axis The other branch of the Enlightenment The human reason Worship, not the worship of God As John Locke did and the Christians in the United States and the UK did, but the European and the Asian side, where we crept over into the Eurasian Bridge, where you saw communism, Marxism, Nazism, fascism, isms. All, all those isms, isms are tied together. You cannot. They, fascism is not an artifact of the right. It's an artifact of the alt right where both sides in the 1930s, 20s and 30s, were so far to the left, you had to have an alternative right, an alternative left, which were so far to the American left. But, of course, that conflation of terms was very handy for those who came from the, um, the uh, uh, Frankfurt School who were teaching, even though they had to flee because they, were, they happened to be Jews, a lot of them. But that's another conversation. They, they still kept on with the stupid ideology here in the States where they fleed to. So you've got these two enlightenment principles. One put men on the moon, missionaries all over, freed the slaves. The other one put Jews in the oven and uh, dissidents in the gulag. Do you want to hold on to that secular humanism? Think about that for a moment. Do you want to hold on to that secular humanism, that worship of men's reason? Because it does not comport, and you cannot secularize Christianity. Jesus is an exclusive offer. He's an exclusive bridegroom. He does not want his bride playing the harlot. It does not work. Josh, I know you're you're, you're waving at me. What you thinking here?
2: Well, I was going to say one of the most egregious examples that we see of that, where there was a favoritism towards the German higher criticism as it made its inroads into Britain, was the censor of William Haddon Spurgeon, or Charles Haddon Spurgeon, sorry. Charles Spurgeon when he was censored by the Baptist of that time, because they said that, Oh, you know, it's okay. We, as long as we believe in baptism by immersion and we believe in, we believe in Christ then we're okay with this German higher criticism, critical and, theory with this critical theory approach to <laughs> the scriptures and censor or Spurgeon spoke out against it. They took a vote on him to censor him. And it was unanimous. Two thousand to seven. An insanely high success rate for that vote. And Spurgeon was censored. And a lot of people, his wife, Spurgeon's wife, claims to have that have that single event to have been one of the events that took his life. And he shortly passed away after that at, at the age of 57. But what was interesting is what Spurgeon said is that the near future will vindicate him and yes. what he said. And what did we see in Britain immediately after that with that inter- that inroads of German higher criticism? Nazism, fascism, communism. Mm-hmm. And also in Britain, the, the the decay of the Baptist denomination as a whole, the
0: evangelical. Correct. And and we for for, for prep for this, we talked about Peter Jones, uh, from uh Ligonair Ministries. He did a really good good piece uh for them and he quoted someone, I don't remember who he quoted, but he said, He who marries the intellectual uh Fad of the day. It's not a direct quote. The intellectual fad of the day will soon be a widow. And he says, "Church, do not marry secular humanism. Don't marry secularism because you are going to become a widow quickly. You're
3: married to Christ." You know, yeah, and you know, from I was from the stuff I was listening to him, and some of the things that I've read on some of the a few different research items I've done. You know secular humanism sounds like it it kind of has a path leading towards a means of paganism toward in a sense it always um, does because you know, eventually
0: you, you give up on that you realize that reason is
3: not enough, so you go to a spiritualism right and and you start looking for something else because you don't have what it is in Christ that gives you what it is that you're searching for in the first place.
0: And this leads really well to the chair culture. I want to say, I want to set you loose on this and kind of chime in a little bit here and there. That leads to the culture very well, because when you have a muzzled Christianity, a limp wristed Christianity that will not speak out and just live more like a Daniel than what we see today, what does that make room for? After secularism, we we turn to a paganistic society, don't we? Sure, our culture
3: falls. Sure, sure. You end up seeing, you know, the increase of a lot of, um, like Deacon had said, a lot of isms, and which which has basis in, you know, like Buddhism and all these stuff. They that go and they have this worship of the universe and the things that evolve in it, yoga um mythology and and all of these pagan gods that are involved in all this mother earth stuff and and all of these wild different things that go on it's the same and gods just a new millennia sure with different names and, right
0: exactly it's a, and, it's the same fertility and, god that's aborting babies just like moloch
3: oh god I, I, and you know i was listening to a thing on that today and they were they were talking about Canaan uh, uh, West and Candace <gasps> Owen wearing their uh, White Lives Matter shirts. And Candace Owen was talking about the uh, thing on aborting all of the children, the black children, and how BLM has nothing to do with that. and And it's just like sacrificing all of these black children that have done nothing but been sacrificed at an altar to hedonism,
0: really. And, and again, yeah. we, we think it's strange. We think it's strange that they worship these gods, the god of, goddess of fertility, the goddess of uh, virility, or the god of virility, you know, Baal, right? We, we think that's right. strange. But what you worship is no different than it, whether you are sitting at an altar in front of a stone or copper god, or you are pouring all of your energy and effort into what the spirit of that was. It's not that much different. It really means, are you getting the happiness from it? You might think that you pray to a God, you know, in ancient times and you get happiness from this God that you will have a better sex life. But how is that any different than committing yourself to a, to a hedonistic lifestyle? How is that any different in practice? In reality, Satan has many tricks and many rebrandings, but they're really the same tired
3: it's, tricks. It is. It's the same tricks, it's the same everything. It's just like you said, there's a different brand on it, there's a new name written on it. It's been redacted and retyped over. And that's all. But it you is. open the book and you look at the words and it's it's the same details. They give you the same details. Here's step number one, step number two. It's the same stuff. Goes in the same order. You know, they may have moved a few words around and changed a few things around just to make it look, sound different. But in the end, you're falling for the same, it's the same trap. You're falling for the same trap Oof. every time.
0: You know? And so the culture will not sustain secularism. It always goes to paganism, and Peter uh, Jones actually did a second uh, uh, talk on that. It's a very good one, and links in the description. Actually, we'll we'll, we'll put this in. Miss Producer, throw something at me if it doesn't get in the link. I'm I'm putting you secondarily responsible. She's about to throw something at me, anyway. <laughs> no pressure, but, no. no pressure. But you, why would you trade the culture of God and godliness? Or a fad that has only lasted a hundred, two hundred years, and it's being replaced right now. And 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 Peter Jones accurately went on and said, "Now you talk to people, the rational, the worship of rationalism is gone. What's it been replaced with? Are you are you religious? What do people say? I'm spiritual, right? I'm I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual. But do you believe in absolute truth? Well, your truth, and we get into the relativistic framework, which again." Very easy to debunk. You always a slippery
3: ask people, slope. Well, I believe in this. Well, you always
0: ask people, well, what what happens when our, th- those two conflict? Well, each one's true for their own. Well, okay. Then why why, why was Hitler wrong? You know, why, why was Hitler wrong? If a thief thinks something of yours is his, you're going to quickly go to a
1: moralistic standard as opposed to a relativistic standard very quickly when you call the cops. And, you know, uh, John Arthur, at that very moment in this thing, we get right to the crux of the matter, which is uh, there might be some folks uh, viewing here for the first time and maybe don't have necessarily uh, scriptural literacy yet. But once they understand the record of the Bible and folks, if you want to go to a version of the Bible, which we believe based on significant scholarship is the King James Bible of 1611. It's kind of in ye old English, but it teaches you how to, to read it itself. And ultimately, folks, when you go there and you see that it resonates with authority, and we see that Jesus in Matthew fourteen six says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. And then you read the pages of the King James Bible and the gospel and the New Testament and the literally thousands and perhaps even tens of thousands of miracles that were witnessed by the apostles and all those who followed Jesus's three-year ministry. You realize that it's irrefutable that he is the son of God. And when he tells us something, then we can take that as truth, the truth. And so that absolute truth becomes our path to eternal salvation because we accept his ministry, which was what? A ministry of reconciliation to our creator for his greater glory. The gift that we've been given to even sit here and have this conversation. That's the great gift of life and the eternal life that's available to us. And all of that was through this ministry of reconciliation that Jesus talked about. We must be able to forgive one another continuously. We must be able to repent from our sins continuously, and we must be able to reconcile continuously. And that was the basis of a popular government, we the people, and in a constitutional republic, liberty-loving,
0: under the God of the Bible. And that mm-hmm. that, that ministry, I, you know, you're starting to segue really well into the chair of politics. I want to catch one last beat on culture, and then I want to roll to the chair of politics, because you bring up something very interesting. Which culture do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a culture of secularism where the moral landscape changes in 20 years? 20 years ago, we still, not we, I'm going to be very careful, the left praised people like Harvey Weinstein. They praised these producers and their response when these women, if a woman would say, hey, I was taken advantage of, well, there were one or two responses. A, my gosh, you need to stay away from that. Don't ever go back to that. That man is evil. The the conservative Christian right wing. And then those on the left would say, well, you understood what you were doing. You were there. It's okay. It's part of the, it's part of the gig. It's part of the understanding. 20 years later, those same people are now in sense. Thank you. Welcome to the conservative value structure. Welcome to our side. Now, if you could just actually understand why those moral things actually are in place and why they make sense, we have a framework for that. And it's it's been there for, oh, I don't know, 6,000 years. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just, just saying, I mean, we, welcome to the club. Maybe come on in. Do you want to live in that culture where things change and where you're canceled for something that was acceptable 20 years ago? or do you want to go to something that actually makes moral sense not tradition okay i think tradition jesus himself spoke out against tradition over and over and over again tradition for tradition's sake is meaningless in fact it is its own secularism it is wrong i'm not talking about your these and thou's king james for the sake of the these and thou's king james i'm talking about it because it is a excellent translation and it is using the the vast majority of manuscripts, not like some Bibles that use a couple of manuscripts that all disagree with each other.
1: Inspired of there's, God.
0: There's an inspired preservation in the received text Bibles. It's not just the King James. You want to go Young's Literal, you want to go, the, there's a couple of really great translations out there that are received text translations. They're awesome. Not, not, not necessarily King James only here, but I do love the King James. It is my daily driver for good reason. But By the way. Uh, but But, but yeah. you have that history. You have that history, and and the thing is not the history. It's the consistency. Does your moral north star change? In secular humanism, it does. And right now, it has a half-life of 20 years. It's going to have a half-life of 10 years and 5 years very shortly, if secular humanism is not completely routed. Now, we're seeing paganism take that over. But I do want to move over to the chair of politics. When we have a nation... John Arthur, just uh,
1: parenthetically, in that little uh, space that we got into, you put me in mind of King Solomon, who, when God told Solomon and David that Solomon was now going to be king, Solomon was asked, what do you want in order to rule? And he said, if I'm going to rule the people, I need wisdom. And God said, well, because you've asked for wisdom and not riches, I'm going to give you all the wisdom in the world. You'll be the wisest man and you'll be the wealthiest man in the world. So he could have the resources to employ that wisdom. In all of his wisdom through all of the years of his reign, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he distilled it all down to one simple phrase. He said, true religion is this, fear God and keep his commandments and John Arthur, everything that you described in terms of the unraveling on a secular humanism basis in the fickle 20-year cycle of this, that, and the other, next innovation, like we see Noah Harari talking about, oh, we're all going to be transhuman, and there is no God, and blah, blah, blah. All of that, by the way, that's all reprobate uh, uh, Romans chapter 1 behavior right there. All you got to do is go to his uh, website and read his bio about his sodomy, Uh, And you realize that he is a seriously confused person, like so many in the Mammon camp. But long story short is, if we simply fear God and keep his commandments, then the resilience of God's purpose and the abundance that comes from God with us fearing, uh, displeasing him, that's really what it means to fear God, is to to fear displeasing your creator. Amen. Because really, we exist... As a manifestation of his glory, all the things that he has given us, all the blessings that come. That's what this whole thing is about for us to find our place in his perfect will or his greater glory in that reconciling to the father. By the way, when we employ that ministry of reconciliation, reconciliation that Jesus talked about, what does that do for us in this world? Steve, Josh. Mm hmm. We can reconcile with one another and now we become more Christ-like. And what is that? That's even greater glory and that's, for the Father. And yeah. that's
0: what the critical theory longs to do. It longs to reconcile races. It longs to reconcile classes. Yeah. It longs to reconcile gender. And again, I'm not candy coating it. Those things, there have been problems in each of those camps. Okay? It, but the thing is, is you don't want to replace...
1: More of man's evil with more of man's evil. Antonio Gramsci, their prophet, uh, writing his prison notebooks there in a Mussolini prison in 1937, being finally executed at the age of 46. And then the cultural Marxist Frankfurt schoolers decided we're going to take his idea, which is if they're going to upset and deconstruct Western culture, they must destroy Christianity. Indeed. And they knew that was where they had to attack, which is what they're doing right now. We see all the madness of it, even to the most uh, uh, objective uh, person uninformed, is we see uh, the kind of craziness for young kids and so forth now with the literal attack on children and their gender and their sexuality at at early ages. It's all just completely gone. And you lose that when you lose
0: the North Star of Christianity and you substitute for secularism. I know Josh had something he wanted to say. Secular
2: humanism is as old as the first lie that was ever told yea hath God said
0: you do you want wisdom? do you want to be like God? Do you want to exalt yourself? That's a wonderful point by the way, that was a w a Chriswell sermon bar that's really solid, good one solid so moving over to the political side, when you have forsaken God in your daily life, you've secularized it, you've compartmentalized it as a good little Christian should, and you have Put yourself in that box, and you've sealed God off from those around you. We, see, we have seen what happens to the culture. It degrades, and it deteriorates, and even worse, it becomes less free. What happens politically when you take off secularism? And also, what was our nation founded under? Was it founded under secularism? We always hear about the United States being a secular state. Obviously, I've already told you where I think on this, but I know that Deacon has some wonderful thoughts
1: on this. I nearly brought a book with me tonight, John Arthur, and maybe we'll get to it later on this evening or this week sometime. But uh, a book about the Black Robe Regiment. This vernacular of liberty that arose on this continent, folks, it arose because these pastors, these Christian pastors of all denomination— 3,000 miles removed from the godless mammon-centric emperors of Europe finally had pause to act on their faith and to literally take their authority for their liberty directly from Christ, as we talk about in Galatians 5, folks. That one verse, Galatians 5, uh, uh, verse 1, is in fact really the emblem for every American. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ is made free and be not entangled again in the yoga bondage. That, in fact, is our political credo. Right there. And so when we talk about left and right, conservative, liberal, Democrat, Republic, Republican, uh, communist, uh, collectivist, all these things, all these labels, what we're really talking about is liberty or tyranny. Mm-hmm. Correct. To use the biblical yep language, which is what our framers used. And it's very simple. Then we can cut through all the haze and the noise and the progressivism and all the terms. And we can come just down to the American Christian vernacular, which is liberty or tyranny. Just like Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon from God. We have our liberty. The mammon is our bondage. Correct. And by the way, guess what's happened? We're on our fourth iteration of central banking in this country with the Federal Reserve Act in 1913 and the Gundect uh, uh, amendment, the 16th Amendment, bringing in income tax. There is no basis for any government to tax your liberty to go out and make a living for your family. And we said that in the Constitution, by the way in Article 6 on a political basis in this Christian-inspired, godly-inspired Constitution. By the way, the key thing is God must be in the state or it is not of God. It's not and a secular And that liberty state. then is, is void and and null, and that's what they're trying to do is, is is void liberty. But in Article 6 of the Constitution, folks, it's so key, it describes that the Constitution and the laws of the United States in pursuance thereof— shall be the supreme law of the land and all judicial officers must swear an oath to have allegiance to it. And all executive officers must swear an oath to the constitution and the judges shall be bound by the constitution. And that constitution comes right out of natural law from nature's God in the declaration of independence. And then, as I say, in our preamble, we ordained it in the constitution and established it with the power of God to secure his blessings of liberty It is just so fundamental for us. That is our American heritage, our American gift, like no other nation ever before and since. That's why I believe, guys, even though many people say, well, are we at end times? Are we, is this the end and we got to get ready for whatever's coming? Well, no man knows the hour of the day, but I can tell you this, this is the only government that's ever existed on the face of the earth that was inspired of directly from Christ's liberty, which means we've got every opportunity to repent and recover the fullness of that. And
0: let's actually talk a little bit about that. Before you go and say that this is a secularist nation, I shared some of these with you earlier. I don't think I gave them to you. I apologize in the notes. But, you know, it, some people say that the Constitutional Congress was not, it was a secular Congress. Everything they did had nothing to do with God. Let's let's hear from the first one of the first Supreme Court justices during the 1788 Congress. Uh James Hurdall, Washington's appointee to the Supreme Court, said in 1788 during the forming of the Constitution, but it is never supposed that the people of the—we all good? We all good over there? Okay, Miss Producer's giving me a funny smile. Everyone over there's talking. Uh, (laughs) But it's never supposed that the people of America will trust their dearest rights to persons who have no religion at all or a religion materially different from their own. Think about that for just a moment. When they were talking about an ordained government, when they were talking about common law, and I know you and I talked about this, about the difference between British common law and natural law. But common law was founded off natural law. And, of course, there was a certain perversion with, 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 again, what man does in government. And I, I agree with you on that. But ultimately, common law was commonly held natural law, God's law. At least that was the original intent and purpose. And I agree with you that there were, there were some perversions there. We had a nice discussion off, off topic. And in
1: fact, we see off that Mike. in our own judiciary now. Yes. All of this notion of standing. Yes. And obviously open and shut objective constitutional matters in the last two years. Yes. All of that is perversion.
0: Absolutely. And unfortunately, it's cutting the knees out from what God provided us and what we fought so hard to claim, because God provides things. But again, remember, God really shows up when you do. And in 1776 and in 1789, our forefathers showed up, and a lot of them died. Well, And they fought. They and fought.
1: in 1812 and in 1860. you People got don't it. realize that the War right. of
0: Independence really ended 1815, 1816, when we kicked their posteriors, the pompous posteriors in uh, Louisiana.
1: In the War of 1812, right?
0: In the War of 1812, And people don't realize that they, you know, the Canadians, they came down and burned down our White House. Um, Well, you guys keep it up. We'll we'll get you back someday. And burned Uh, the Capitol down. (laughs) They burned the Capitol down. People don't realize that. Sailed
1: right up the Chesapeake.
0: This is not the original White House because the original was destroyed by the crown and by her lackeys, um,
1: the Canadians. And they did it in 1812. And why did they do it? Because in 1811, our Congress said after the 20-year charter for the Rothschilds banking of the first Bank of the United States of America expired in 1810. They wanted to exert that back. And our that. congressman said, we don't need the Rothschilds. We've had a constitution that says we can issue currency and specie, gold and silver, and that's what we're called to do. Yep. And the minute that that wasn't renewed, they that- got their armada together and came up and burnt that Capitol building down. The they sake- were not
3: going to suffer to lose that Mammoth franchise. And who do you think probably forced them to do that? Think yeah. the Rothschilds had Absolute, anything to do absolutely. with that? Hmm. Absolutely. For so the that's sake why- of,
0: the, of, of, okay. of our audience today, we, we're, we're, a, we're, we're running up on time to go ahead and... Close it off, because like that, that is a called, whole so, yeah. other topic. Oh, it is. Because the, the <laughs> crown, God bless you know the queen in her passing, but the crown still has, they did, and they still do, consider American a wayward asset. And that's a whole yeah thing that I don't really...
1: We're, we're five minutes. We're f- four minutes, actually, at this okay. point that we got to wrap. Because Spoiler so, so, so,
3: so, so, alert. Spoiler. The British
1: control every control sector of our society. They, the mammon crowd controls it. There's an incredible amount of money that is involved. And again,
0: I don't want to get into it right now because we're yeah. at the end of time. So I want to wrap up today on the idea of secularism. We've kind of been all over the place. But on the idea of secularism, based on the results, based on the Bible, starting with the Chair of Theology, What would you say to someone who you're speaking to a family member or friend who says, well, you know, we need to maintain a a separation of church and state and my my faith can be secularized from the Bible. Josh, how would you respond?
2: I I could go to the Bible. I'm going to go to I'm going to go to just empirical evidence, things that we can see. You can't name me a single church that embraced secular humanism that lasted more than 20 years after they embraced it. It does not exist in the world. It just simply does not exist. We see what it did to the mission movement. Less missionaries can like as time goes on, secular humanism comes on. How many, how many missionaries are in there in the world today, comparatively to back then? Significantly fewer. So many mission operations were taken down because of the introduction of German higher criticism, especially in the British area. And so our British brothers and sisters in Christ, unfortunately felt that sooner than we did. So, just looking at the empirical data of what it got us, it gets you a very powerless church. It's a church without the power of Christ in it. And that's the tragedy in it all, is the
0: fact that you you have religion, but you don't have Christ. And that that really encapsulates it well, because you realize that once you give up, the high ground. And insert the meme of uh, uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin here. You have the high ground, okay? And it's very easy to cut off secular humanism at the knees. And I, I'm not saying this in a mean way, but I'm saying look at the philosophy. It turns in on itself. All of these isms turn in on themselves. You want to look at it? You, you You look at progressivism. It always eats its own. First you have the lesbians. Then you have the bisexuals. Then you have the gays. Well, guess what? Lesbians don't like the gays, and the gays sure don't like the lesbians. I mean, they're, they're no fun. And then the bisexuals, unfortunately, drive a wedge in there. Okay, so that, that's enough. But then you go to transgenders, and you blow up the whole concept that it's being born that way. It's now ingrained. So what you've done is you've removed yourself from the North Star. If God created this institution, marriage, for example. I'm just using it as an example. You can go across the board, and you can find that secular humanism, man's reason alone, without God, always breaks down. It breaks down in the same way every time, because once you add the transgenders to the equation, it's no longer born this way. It's no longer born with this proclivity. It is a behavior, you know, right. And it it changes and it's able to, then you have the demisexuals and the pansexuals and all these others. It eats itself and you're watching it eat itself right now. It's feminism is being eaten by the LGBT and it, it goes on. So philosophically, you are on man-made soil, and it does not hold like the bedrock of the scriptures. So why? Why would you divorce yourself from the scriptures? You are setting yourself up for no effectiveness in this world. Moving over to the chair of culture. When someone talks about secularism, don't we live better in a secular culture? Isn't it better to live and let live? What would your response from a Christian culture standard? Isn't a Christian culture better?
3: Of course, a Christian culture is better. You end up with um, standards, morals. You see reality more in a um, in a better view than you do with one where you don't have morals and values. Because in that sense, things are just, everything's muted and and, uh, not just muted, but all things just kind of are like blended together to where it's hard to make sense of anything that's going on, whether it's good or evil, because it's just all kind of, everything's okay. There's no Everything's structure. okay. There's no structure. Like you said, no structure. Everything's okay. It doesn't matter the color, whether it's black or white. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's all kind of together. Everything's fine. Everything gets along. We're all okay. Well, guess what? Life is not always the greatest. Jesus said you're Going to have trials and tribulations if you follow God. Never said life was going to be a piece of cake or dessert, correct? So, things we got to go along with. Life is tough, indeed, indeed. Regardless if you're a Christian, it, it's tough to be a Christian.
2: Yeah, that's, life. That, that's one of the biggest lies that secular humanism tried to tell us was that there, it was all about acceptance. I don't see acceptance with Clarence Thomas in the Correct. Supreme
0: Court. Uh, oh. Oh, by the way, yeah. just 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 read what his wife said, and you will be rolling. You think I had any influence on my husband during the inflection? That man is a stubborn, hard. to be- It was really funny. It, it, you know, she was as ingratiating as possible. But I'll watch some of his. Moving over to the chair of politics, yeah. we are one minute over time. Go ahead and give us your wrap. Uh, just, uh,
1: by the way, quick program note, folks, uh, if you want to uh, get further into Separate Church and State on the Bud I Digress stream over the last several Thursdays, we've had Gerald Finney. Check out GeraldFinney.com with, with a, a J. J, GeraldFinney.com. He'll be on with John Arthur or Further Every Day Thursday coming, uh, 10 a.m. Central Time for a couple hours with uh, badass Uncle Sam Michael DeBerry out of New Orleans uh, running shotgun for us. Uh, I'll be out of town, on other business, but John Arthur and Gerald Finney will deal again in some detail about separation of church and state, and just, bottom line is, as long as God's in it, we win it.
0: Amen. Mm. Amen. And so, I wanted to make sure that you guys know that you can find uh, Deacon at the, but I digress, com.
1: Yeah, Patriots in the plural with an S, and then Soapbox, so com. 10 a.m., central time on Thursdays and we welcome your uh, chat folks and your participation. Patriot Soapbox, two S's. Thank you so
0: much for being on. I promise I was going to get that in there and I'm so glad you did. (laughs) Love y'all so much. Thank you, Jonathan. Tell us down in the comments section uh, what you think we should talk about next and um, your favorite discussion with someone about secularism. Thank you so much. We love y'all. Have a wonderful day. Bye. God bless Bye. Bye.